This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by CompleteSigns.co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from flat metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials including brass aluminium stainless steel wood and a number of plastics covering most of south england with virtual offices in croydon epsom hawley worcester park in surrey crowthorne in berkshire regent street west london docklands east london and crawley in brighton in sussex so if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. Intercepted by Dwight, Dwight Gale, running forward now. Takes a shot from the edge of the area. Great shot, great save. Told you we could hit him, Ben. Tracy mentioned to me earlier about the speed of his shot. And uh, it's a shot from Dobby. It goes high and wide, but that shot from Dwight Gale really did trouble the goalkeeper. Live interviews. To be fair, we, we were scratching around trying to find somewhere else to go and there was a cafe open so we just thought, oh, I thought that we'll go in and have a cafe, like a breakfast, you know, there's people walking to work and we're just still coming in in our dancing gear and whatnot, but it was, uh, it, was, it was quite funny to be fair, we all sat there having eggs, eggs benedict and chips and a cup of tea, there was no alcohol drunk, that was the stupid thing, you know, talking about us celebrating, we're all having cups of tea. Expert analysis. It's a, it's a free kick to Palace on the edge of the box. It was a trialist orange boots who, who was tripped on the edge of the box. Um, trialist orange boots? Yeah, we're going to call him trialist. Like, trialist is his first name and orange boots is like a double-barreled surname. Sam's Dutch. Well, most of the time anyway. Homestale Radio. Good evening and welcome to Homestyle Radio. I'm your host for the evening, Chris Hambling, as uh, we look back at another disappointing week for Palace. With me tonight are Albert Curley. All right. Stuart Shave. Hello. And Tony Pierce. Evening. Um, I swear this backing track's way too loud. Volume down, please. 
Um, anyway, so yesterday saw the Eagles suffer defeat at St Mary's, leaving the side second bottom with five defeats out of six games. We all knew it'd be tough, but we'll be asking whether or not this is a case of not being good enough or just not doing the right things. We'll also be joined by Anthony, who's a dedicated Liverpool supporter, as we look ahead to next weekend's trip to play Brendan Rodgers' side. A surprise win could certainly, would certainly be very welcome, and we'll find out what the key areas will be at Anfield. As ever, your opinion counts and will shape the show. Find yourself disagreeing with what one of us says? Then get in touch and air your views. Contact the show today. You can send us a tweet to at HOL Radio. You can message us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash HOL Radio. Email us on radio at homestale.net. Or you can give us a call on our phone number, which is 0208 1234098. Also, you can visit the whole radio chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. As a quick reminder for those not doing so, you can listen to Homestale Radio live on your smartphone or tablet device with the TuneIn Radio app. It's free to download and once installed, simply search for Homestale Radio to locate the station. Now a quick news roundup with News in Brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Palace development squad headed to Colchester United's uh, community stadium for a friendly last Tuesday with an experienced Eagles side running out 5-2 winners. The team, which included no less than six of Palace's 25-man squad, ran into an early lead after only four minutes following a well-taken free kick by Jose Campanar. Goals from Kebe, O'Keefe and a brace for Kevin Phillips followed with Michael O'Donoghue and Freddie Lopardo replying for the visitors. Homestyle Radio are playing a charity match against five-year plan to raise funds for the Jeff Thomas Foundation in aid of leukemia and lymphoma research. Looking to wipe the memory of a humiliating 9-0 defeat, Homestyle Radio lads have so far done precisely nothing in preparation. We'd really appreciate your support. We're some way from our target on this one. Please visit justgiving.com forward slash H-O-L-V-S-F-Y-P to donate. In injury news, both Yannick Bellassi and Johnny Parr are said to be in full training and may be in contention for a return against Liverpool. Club captain Paddy McCarthy is also nearing a return after picking up a slight injury in the development game a few weeks ago. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Right. Hello. We're back. Um, hmm. Where to start, really? Obviously, it's been a very, very tough week for us uh, once more. Just the reality of the Premiership kind of sets in a bit. And I think the reality of um, having to make quite so many changes in a short space of time. Uh, we'll be talking about the key areas of why we're seemingly suffering so much. And obviously a bit of negativity around um, some of the decisions and some of the tactics. But as ever, it's uh, it's all a matter of an opinion. So we'll see what those opinions are. Um, I mean, obviously, let's, let's talk result. The result was 2-0 to Southampton. Um, arguably, we, we were in the game for, well, for most of the first half, doing really quite well. And um, it was again a short sort of space of time where we were punished for for a little bit of slack play and all of a sudden you're you're chasing a game and and we don't really look like a side that can chase a game at this level at the moment so it was 2-0 it was goals from uh, Osvaldo and Lambert I nearly called him Lambert because of my stupid pronunciation of Osvaldo hmm interesting um so yeah well where to start boys I think that the first talking point considering we donate uh, donated dedicated quite a lot of uh, the show last week to talking about diving. I want to start with the, the Chimac dive. Now, um, I don't know about y- yourselves, but I, I thought of the game when I, when it happened, I thought, you know, clear penalty and a red card. Um, 
What were your thoughts, Albert? Yeah, you know, like any true fan, I was up shouting, convinced, absolutely convinced. Uh, if the reality was that I probably realised it looked a bit soft. Um, I haven't actually seen it back, but judging by the uh, reaction in the press and on the boards and whatever, it you know, clearly was a bit of a soft tumble. And, you know, you expect a striker of his quality to at least have a go, um, even if it is on his weaker foot. I think I think we, we've mentioned that when our little pre-show chat. Uh, Tony, you got a view on that? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what um, Albert said. Really, um, well, I thought it was a penalty at first when you watch it in real time, as they keep saying. Um, but leading up to it, I just, you know, me and my friend just kept shouting, "Shoot, shoot, shoot!" You know, it looked like he had a clear opportunity to put the ball in the back of the net before he went over. That's starting to become a bit of a theme at games. I think uh, the, the, sh- the cry of "shoot." There seems to be a little bit of hesitancy to pull the trigger. Funny enough, I'm getting always- close to shooting myself. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't it? It's weird how it always seems to be the ball going back for Moxie to have a go, which is a which is a weird one for the left back to be the sort of primary source of the of shots. So, uh, Stuart, I'm going to bring you in on this. Um, going back to the to the dive, I mean, can you understand what he was trying to do? Apparently, he's told Ian Holloway that that he felt the best option was to go around the keeper and that he felt some contact. But I mean, clearly from the the pictures, he was he was falling over as it happened. What, what was your view? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, to be honest, I listened to it on uh, local radio yesterday because obviously I'm I'm quite near Southampton, where, where I'm from, and uh, they um, obviously they were they were quite Southampton biased, but they they were they were um, pretty sure it was a it was a Palace penalty. So I, I was up in arms for the whole of the ninety minutes until I saw it on match of the day, and I can't see it myself. I think he he's taken the ball round him and he's gone too far and he's gone for the easy option and just and just tumbled over. Um, I think he's got himself into a position where because the left he's uh, weak on the left foot that he, he can't get the shot in. So uh, might as well go over and see if I can get a pen. And uh, and, and obviously Holloway's backing up when your own manager says you've dived. Um, it's um, I think that's that's pretty pretty much uh, case closed, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, for me, the the most disappointing part of it is you can't really start taking the moral high ground, which I think we had been uh, as, as supporters. We'd been we'd been looking at Man United and saying, "Well, why? You know, if you're Man United, why the hell do you have to cheat?" And you know, we'd seen that, and you'd, you'd seen a few other examples of it. And I just, you know, I mean, I just feel that it, it's extremely disappointing to to have a striker who, I mean, he don't get me wrong, Chamac, I think is a fantastic signing. I, I really think he's a really good footballer. He's possibly at a level beyond anything I thought we'd sign, but he doesn't really. Um, to well, to basically to make that decision, it just shows a, a, a lack of confidence in his own ability to shoot. You know, there was he had, he had a lot of time on the ball. It was a lovely little touch of the head to get to get through, and it's it's a waste, really. Uh, Albert, yeah, have you, uh, I've, it came to a realization yesterday that have you noticed that Schumacher's when we've got the ball, if Speroni's got the ball, goal kick or whatever, Schumacher always tends to pull incredibly wide, you know, incredibly close to the byline, and Speroni will punt it up to him. Um, and you know, Schmack, bless him, will try his best to bring it down. But have you noticed that just, it's not very effective out there? Whereas yesterday, you've sort of seen him. You know, he was quite central, obviously before the dive. Um, I just wonder why you think Holloway seems to be intent on keeping him out wide. Where he, what's he what's he going to do with it? Receiving a high ball when he's you know two yards from the the touch line. Yeah, um, I've got. Well, I know what it is. I, well, I know what I think it is. I, it's, I mean, obviously, it's a tactical point. We're trying to break, or we're trying to get the ball further up the pitch quicker and you know, some might suggest that as long, a long ball tactic whatever I, I just think it's a case of us trying to you know on, on occasions give ourselves an option to clear you know or give ourselves an option from a restart from a goal kick to not play from the back because you no know, we've 
we saw what happens sometimes when we play from the back too much and we give the ball away in key areas and we can see goals. So we won that option of a high ball up there. And, and Chamax, the guy who's going to, you know, he's, he's a good header of the ball. He's a good target man. And his job is, is to hold that ball up for everyone else to get around him. But high and, balls in the channels just don't seem to do it for me. I don't, I don't yeah, know if you disagree. Or... I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I, I agree or disagree. I would, I'd agree that they don't, they're not working at the moment. But I think as a tactical principle... It's a good ta- it's a good idea. I mean, if you think about the fullback positions for Southampton, particularly Klein's side, he's not. The, we know from from having Klein at Palace, his weakness is in the air, you know, because he's not he's not a tall lad. So getting someone out wide and and trying to win the ball in a key, you know, basically playing the final third is playing percentages. But you know, it's got to be effective. And the thing for me is, it's not really about what Chamak does in that position. It's about what the other players do around him. Of course, and, yeah, and. They're not doing enough for me, for for whatever reason. I I believe the reason is their focus is too much on what happens when we don't have the ball. Um, uh, Tony, you, you wanted to come in with a point there. Yeah, I was sort of going with the um, the heading down from Shamak. I did notice finally we've spoke about it for so many weeks that Gail was starting to make the runs behind Shamak, uh, anticipating the flick-ons. There were one or two times that he nearly got on the end of them. Kebe seemed to read them really well as well. Whenever Chamat was going up, you could almost see Kebe making a cross run behind him to go for it, um, which was good to see. The only thing I worry about is that I've noticed more and more over the couple of weeks that you know fans are starting to get on the back of Chamat, and we know he's a confidence player. And I just worry that you know with with high expectations that the fans seem to have, especially some of the guys that have been haven't haven't been to Palace for a while, should we say? Mm. Yeah. Um, expecting him to be this amazing Champions League player, um, and then start getting onto his back, it's just not going to look good. Well, I mean, there's a, there is a tendency amongst supporters in general to have someone to blame for some reason. If it, you know, I'd be honest, I haven't heard too much. There's, I've heard some people certainly uh, go after Chamak and say that he's not, you know, he's not the player that people think he is, and he doesn't work hard. I think the opposite is true. I think he's a great player, and I think he does work really hard. I think there's. Yeah, aspect- I agree with you there. There's aspects to his game that aren't perfect, but that's why we why we've got him. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be we wouldn't have Chimac. You know, he's still not. You know, he joined us and he's done quite well, but he's still not confident. You can see it from him refusing that shot. That's exactly. Love what it. It's when people say, "Well, he's not good enough for Arsenal." It's like, yeah, yeah, he's not good enough for Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more than good enough for us at the moment, and I exactly. think people, people have got to get a, a bit of a grip when it comes to blaming players as well, and. I mean, okay, if something doesn't work tactically, you, you can criticise it. It's, there's nothing wrong with criticising something that's not working, but it doesn't automatically mean that the alternative would work or would be more more acceptable or more... Um, what's the word I'm searching for? More efficient? I don't know. Better. I, you know, better. It's, better. You know, it's, it's a horrible thing to read because everyone loves on message boards and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's what we all do. You manage in hindsight almost. You sort of go... Well, we should have done that because we didn't, we didn't win. But you don't know that it would have been a better thing to do. Um, I think the, the problem we've got is we play a certain way, and, and there's a reason we do it, and it's because we don't we know we can't have we can't dominate possession against most of the teams in this division, if not all of them. We're, we're not going to do that, and we have to deal with the reality of that. And the reality of that means certain players like Gale will have to learn the position that they're playing. Um, just got a comment in there off Twitter from Jack Goodenough. I'm not even sure that's his real surname. It's not a real surname, is it? Uh, he says, although it was a dive, it does prove the point that smaller teams don't get the decisions. Ashley Young does, though. That's a very, very good point, actually. Yeah, OK, we, we've, we've focused on the point that it was a dive and we'd ra- much rather not see that. But funnily enough, it wasn't given, was it? So, 
Um, and it, it's, it's interesting to, to raise the point, would it have been given in a, um, if he was wearing a Man United shirt? So there you go. Um, duh, don't know if anyone's got a view on that, Stuart. You've been a bit quiet for a minute. What do you think? Well, I was actually thinking exactly the same thing. I was going to come in and, and say, yeah, although we may have, um, you know, dived in the, uh, and tried to get a penalty. Um, it certainly worked for Man United. Why does it not work for us? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit like um, we just don't, you know, we don't get the luck in the Premiership. And it's it's not just Palace. It's it's the case with all promoted teams, I think. It's um, a little bit of Premiership snobbery, shall, shall we say. Mm. I would have thought Ashley Young did get booked for diving against us yeah he did yeah yeah but then again obviously he obviously got the penalty decision as well when it wasn't a penalty and he did fall in similarly as, as Chimac did but hilariously we've got another email in from our resident Welsh fan uh, the Cardiff City supporter loves the Cardiff Dragons uh, come on the Reds um, he said it he said I said it last season and I'll say it once more Palace are a dirty side that dive from Chimac was an embarrassment to our Premier League the Welsh Premier League uh, Holloway has signed quantity over quality and has lost the plot. Total football, yeah, right. Well, some stinging words there from uh, from the home. He's a little bit, he's a little, show. He's a little, he little bit obsessed, isn't he? He is, but but to be fair, I'm not gonna I I'm not gonna defend Chimac for it. I you know I think it was embarrassing for him to dive in that position. Um, it's funny enough. I'm I'm not I'm sure the uh, the Cardiff City players would never ever ever think of diving. Uh, just like the um, club would never ever sell their soul to Malaysian owners and get rid of their entire identity. Thanks for your uh, your input anyway, mate. Really appreciate it. <clears throat> Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, I mean, look, returning to the, the point of discussion, I mean, obviously, we've raised, well, Tom's, when he's wrote our uh, show document, he's talk, actually raised a, an interesting question um, and how, how we actually treat it. How do you deal with it? Do you, do you drop someone like Tremac or do you? You know, do you find it? You don't, obviously. I don't think you can. You certainly wouldn't drop an important player such as him, such as him. And but what you what you do is you make sure he doesn't do it again. You make sure. I, I, you know, I mean, we're talking fractions, really. If you look at when he, he does, he gets contact, and he's all he's doing really is he's not. He's anticipating contact. The thing is, he he's not the ball to one side. He's trying to go round the keeper. Whether he's going to get get the ball where he's knocked it or not, you don't know. But what he's done is he's, he's just seen that the keeper's come out and dived at his feet. The keeper doesn't get the ball. That's an interesting point to talk about. The keeper doesn't get anywhere near the ball, right? And, and he's there for Chimac to go over. Now, Chimac's options are jump over the keeper or, or, kick him in of, the face. or just sort of stand on him. Um, so the, it's an interesting point in question because obviously he's gone down and he's tried to win a foul. But, I mean, what's the natural thing to do in that position? So if he jumps over him and, and loses, loses the ball... The keeper's not got. Do you know what I mean? The keeper's got nowhere near the ball. So what's the keeper doing? You can't just throw your body in the way of someone's run. But I, I don't really know what the what the answer is there. I know he's tried to win a penalty, but you know, unless he just sort of closes his eyes and waits to fall over him, I don't really know what the what the right thing to do in that situation is. He's tried to do something for the team, and I think the only thing we can really say about it is before he gets to that point, before he makes the decision to go around the keeper, just have a shot. Let's not let it get that far. Let's not wait for someone to do something stupid so you can fall over him. Let's just let's just get a shot on target. Uh, I don't want to dwell too much more on this subject. Um, Tony, you're asking what about Kebe's penalty? I don't know what. Go on. Yeah, there was another moment where um, one of their players clattered into the back of uh, Jimmy Kebe and he went over. And um, 
Yeah, it looked, it looked like it. I mean, from I thought it was outside the area, but apparently a lot of people were saying it was it was meant to be a penalty as well, and that was the second penalty appeal we should have had. Mm. I, to be honest with you, I don't really remember it. <laughs> um, but I, again, I, I think in in a way we we shouldn't really be in a position where we're sitting here talking about you know decisions that we could could go either way that we should have got. I mean, we simply didn't create enough. We simply weren't, you know. A, and in any way, talking about attacking force. Go on, Albert. I say we want to be sitting here talking about having forcing great saves out of the opposition keeper, and mm. uh, that's certainly not the case at the Well, moment. yeah, I, I think even a half the, decent save. Yeah, well, here's a statistic for you: um, Southampton had 12 shots, we had eight. Um, we had zero on target. So if you go in, if you go 90 minutes without a shot on target, you're not going to win any football matches, are you? So. Um, yeah, sorry, move, moving swiftly on. We, we, we got kind of caught up in that. There's a lot to talk about there. I want to talk very quickly about both goals. Um, the first goal was an example of us not clearing our lines once more, not getting the ball away when we had an opportunity to do so. Um, uh, the other point to really make for it is the ball's just gone through Spironi. Um, with all due respect to a, to a keeper of his quality and what he's done for, for Palace, because he's a fantastic servant for Palace, he should have done a lot, lot better for that. And... Um, just, just if I can get an, an opinion from one of you, I'm not sure who wants to do it, but just on that first goal, we, what, go on, Tony, what, what are the things we should be doing better there? Well, the, the thing that struck me is that it's, it's that Jedinak made exactly the same mistake as he did against United. Really bad pass across the face of the goal that basically sets up the player to go in. Now, Alan Hansen's comment on us passing a couple of weeks ago was, if you can't pass, don't do it, which uh, we didn't really like at the time. Um, is it starting to ring a bit true, do you think, Tony? Yeah, definitely. I don't think so, I don't think so at all. Stuart, what's your point? No, I don't. I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he was at fault for the Manchester United goal. He was at fault for yesterday's with a, you know, with a weak pass. But I think, you know, we, we, we pass the ball around quite nicely, but we, we don't actually go anywhere. That's the problem. We, we, know, we know how to pass the ball. We just don't have the players to get us into the areas that we need to do to you know to score a goal um defensively i you know i agree with hansen you know maybe you know we should be you know kicking the ball out of touch rather than passing around our own you know our own area but um going forward and and trying to get into the positions i think we're a little bit more than about you know just kicking it upfield and seeing what we can get we we, we are bringing players into the game a, a lot of our a lot of our players are getting touches on the ball. It's not as if there's any players on the pitch that are going missing during the game. It's just we just have to look at the quality of those players, and that and that, I think that is the massive problem. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about tactics and why that might be a little bit later on. Um, but um, just going over the, the second goal. I mean, I found the second goal more frustrating than the first. I mean, obviously, the first thing about it is it was in such quick succession. There was a it was a free kick at the time. I didn't think it was a free kick, but you know how partisan you get at games. It's just the, the way it is. But the, 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 the second goal was just, for me, it was give away a free kick in a stupid position. It was KG and Jednak pretty much occupying the same space and squeezing, I think it was Osvaldo again uh, for Southampton, just absolutely squeezing him and, and fouling him after he'd lost control of the ball, really. Uh, and it's, it's a stupid foul to give away in a really dangerous position. And we'd had a warning from, from Lambert. He'd, he'd already hit one straight at Spironi. Uh, from a very, very similar position in the first half. So I, when I saw Lambert lining the ball up, I saw the position of the wall and I saw where Speroni was in his goal. It's just textbook. You're just watching and you think, well, there's only one place he can possibly score this. It's going to be that side of the goal. Um, 
so the wall the wall know where the ball is going to come because obviously you know this foot, the footballers on the pitch will know as much as the fan well, will know more than the fans about what a player is going to do and Ricky Lambert is going to hit that in that corner so you know for me Spironi needs to be organizing that wall you know a bit better and making sure they realize their responsibility even though they're you know footballers in their own right and should know he needs a couple of steps further over I think because the chances are it's going to that side if it goes through the wall you can say that and the wall hasn't done its job you you watch the replay of it and the thing that absolutely got me just so so angry when I saw it was Danny Gavin moving his head out of the way of the ball ducking so rather than actually get the ball hit him in the face it, it, rather than stop a you know and stop a free kick going in our net, Danny Gavinon's got his head out of the way. I mean, what the hell? I mean, that a wall is there to do one thing, and it needs to jump when the ball is when the ball is going high. And if you can get anything on it, you get something on it because you're, that's what you're there for. Uh, Tony, you got a view? Yeah, I mean, having having played in goal before, um, having trying trying to wonder what to do about the wall and that when you're trying to line your wall up the thing is if you're going into that near corner it's the wall's job to um, stop the ball from going in and if it does go over the wall and in then unfortunately it's just a very good free kick um, the goalkeeper's got to make sure he doesn't get beaten on the far side where the wall isn't protecting um, and yeah there was a quite a big open gap there um, I remember last year when um, who was it it was Moritz had those two free kicks against walls and you could see mm. the same thing massive massive gap and you thought the only place he can put it is in that gap and it looks quite obvious when you're standing away but it, when you're in the goal it's not so obvious because you think the only place he can put it is there but it would have to be a really good free kick for him to get it over the wall and curling into that corner for it to go in the goal well we know about the goalkeepers union and uh, i think there's evidence of it there tony listen i, I completely understand the point you're making and you are technically correct because that's the point isn't it you, the, the keeper has to cover at one area and the wall's there to cover another. You're absolutely right in that. But for me, for me, two steps to your right and in a situation like that would make all the difference. I think you can still cover one side. I just thought he was slightly too far over. And, and I think from the position of the ball, I think if the free kick's more central, you've got to make a slightly different decision. Or if it's maybe a bit closer in or even potentially a bit further out, there's a different decision to be made. But for me, it was... Again, I, I don't think Spur, I'm not saying it's Spironi's sole responsibility that goal. It was we know it's ninety percent the wall, but I think just think communication and, and just organisation from something like that. It's it's a horrible goal to concede. It really, really is, and it was a horrible time to concede it because two 0 down away from home and not really creating anything. I mean, that's the thing for me. I don't see us getting back in games. Um, I don't think we're we're not we don't look like a club that can chase a game to me at this level. I, I agree. Think, I mean, it's. It, if we go behind in any game, we're not we're not going to come back. That that's that's the that's the real problem. We just we just don't create enough, and and as soon as we go one down, I, for me that's that's game over. Um, certainly, certainly up to up to up to now. And and the worrying thing at the moment is the time that we're conceding goals. And we you know we had the United goal just before half time. Swansea was the first minute and the first minute of the second half, and then two tomorrow uh, yesterday with um. You know, straight after half time, it's like what what's going on in the changing rooms uh, when when they're coming out to play. Um, it's a it's a good point to make, but I mean the the thing is, there's first thing for me is there's two two changing rooms, right? Um, so there's what's going on in in our changing room. If you think about the, the fact that we're playing away from home and that we did all right in that first half, I think probably what's going on in our changing room is uh keep doing the right things, keep doing what you're doing. 
Um, and I've always, I always think that some, in some ways it's easier to go in having had a horrible first half and have your manager say, look, this is what we're changing. Do this, do this, do this. And you come out better. Um, when you've sort of done your job, which arguably the, the, the lads had, um, I think it's a difficult one to call because, I mean, Southampton had several more gears than us. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we, we played a really good team. Um, and the trouble is, we're going to say that every week. <laughs> we're going to go, yeah, but they're a really good side. We said it about Swansea. We said it, we're saying it about Southampton. I dare say we'll say it about Liverpool next week because they are a good side as well. Yeah, but one big difference is the fact that Southampton in the first half, we matched them. It was a really exciting game in the first half. I mean, it was, you know, both teams were definitely matching each other, but not in a boring, cancelling each other out, you know, both attacking. Whereas the second half, we, we, we looked like a championship side against a premiership side. Sure. I can vouch for that. I mean, uh, as I said, I listened on local radio and uh, they had uh, Dave Merrington, former Southampton manager, as commentator. And he was saying very positive and nice things about us in the first half and um, he said we matched we matched Southampton and uh, certainly that Southampton should be aware of us in the second half and we're certainly in the game and and you know we're, we're up for taking taking the three points but um you know what's disappointing is you know we've come out of the changing rooms again and we've just just not switched on and that's 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 the worry at the moment it was and the same against Stoke as well mm. I mean, the, the Stoke game was um, the perfect example really, of what I was kind of saying, and we had such a good first half, that, and Stoke was so abject in that first half that there was really only one way for them to go. Um, and I, again, I think, I think when you focus too much on what your opponents are doing, that, that's something that can happen. Um, Albert? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, while it's disappointing to go 2-0 down, you know, it can happen at you know, any given point in a football match. What really upset me was where was the reaction from you know from our team? You know, what what did we try and do differently? Um, and it, I just found it incredibly frustrating to watch. There, was, there seemed to be no no blood and guts, no sort of, you know re, no real desire to sort of make that tackle or try and win the ball back. And I mean Cameron Jerome came on and ran around a bit and whatnot, but I just there was just didn't, didn't seem to be any sort of plan B or real real desire to get into the game there was no communication seemed to be no spirit nobody was geeing each other up it was just head down and it, i just found it incredibly frustrating to watch well I, yeah. I think um i think that's probably creeping into the game as uh, uh, into our season the longer it goes on because certainly you know after tottenham and 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 stoke and and, and manchester united i thought even though we went behind, we didn't we didn't let our heads drop. We we carried on battling away and hoping to get something. But you know, since Swansea and now Southampton, it's a case of we've gone behind. Oh well, it's not a lot we can do about it now, is it? And that's and that's a real worry because <coughs> that, that continues, then we have got absolutely zero hope. Um, I I just I want to I want to take up this point really. It's something that's been talked about on the message boards, and um, I find it really difficult commenting on when when people say it's almost like a lack of effort there's been people saying it's like uh, they're not playing for the shirt they don't want to play for palace all this sort of stuff for me it's i find it a lazy criticism and the reason i do that is i think i think you can honestly probably count the number of players in a given season if you like from any all clubs on the who don't care on, on one hand because the thing for me is to get to that level i've said it before i'm beating myself to a point but to get to that level, the, light, the kind of dedication and competitiveness that you have to actually be a 
top level footballer it wouldn't allow you to give anything other than your best out there but you can get frustrated you can feel that it doesn't work you can feel that you're not getting enough of the ball you can be annoyed with your teammates for not passing it in right the right areas and all that sort of stuff that can affect the performance that's not not caring that's being that's that's allowing the situation to get to you and allowing the you know the, the, the way the match has gone to, to affect your performance and I think that's what we're seeing um, we, people are talking about team spirit and they talked about team hmm, talking about team spirit last Albert seemed to cough like a woman. Anyway, yeah, that, yeah, that was my wife. Yeah, yeah, of course it was. Um, anyway, it was. Like, <laughs> all right, all right. No, seriously, the, the point I'm making people talk about team spirit, right? Team spirit is a fantastic thing. It's one of the things that got us promoted last year. And uh, Tony, I will come to you in a minute. And people have said that, that we're not showing teams the same team spirit. Well, of course we're not, because we've got a whole load of different players. You don't. You don't bot get people in who are, who are going to immediately settle into everything around them and suddenly be the you know essentially friends and who fight for each other and all that sort of stuff. Everything that we had last year, you're going to have to wait. You're going to take time, so you're going to have to have patience. And if you don't have patience, you start getting on people's back. You're not going to engender that same togetherness that we had on and off the pitch last year. And, and people need to remember that, in my view. Tony. I think the other thing is it's starting to get into the fans as well. Um, first half against Southampton, fans were loud. It was good atmosphere, etc. But the, um, the the atmosphere just seemed to fizzle out in the second half. It was it was pretty quiet, um, not for lack of effort from a couple of people near the back of the um, stand. And it was the same against um, Swansea as well. You know, started out really well, and then the atmosphere just seemed to die as as, as the team seemed to, you know, not play as well. Yeah, I mean the the. What happens on the pitch always sort of informs a large section of the support on how they're going to behave. That's, that's always been the case. I don't think that's necessarily any different. I think, unfortunately, it was never really quite as prevalent away from home. I thought, I mean, it's interesting to see the, the Southampton fans talking about how great our away support was, was yesterday. Because I, I, you know, travelled around many, many grounds with our, um, with our team over the last few years. And I don't think we're as good... Um, I think we've been great away from home at times this year, but basically we've got 5,000 new season ticket holders, another 4,000 members, many of whom are probably quite new, and we're going to um, we're going to suffer it at certain times because not necessarily there'll be some who are there for the Premiership day out, and that's I, you know I have my own feelings on that, and I'll be fairly disappointed. I'm fairly disappointed in some of their behaviour, but there's also people who just don't know what it's all about. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break away from that point, which we will come back to. We've got someone on the line now. Hello? Hi, um, it's Jared. Hello, mate. Um, I just wanted two points I wanted to make. The first point was that you said you thought uh, Southampton's second goal was 90% Sproni's fault. No, I didn't say that. I said 90% the Wolves' fault. Oh, uh, no, I agree. I, I, I mean, I must have misheard you there. I, I do agree that uh, that was absolutely terrible by Gabdon. Brow actually tweeted on the BBS, anyone who doesn't try their best for Paris will never play again. Mm. And I'm not sure if, really, if Gavagon should get dropped for that, especially with Paddy McCarthy and Damien Delaney returning back to fitness now. Uh, if they're fit, I mean, I, I wouldn't say on the on the back of that, Jared. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, you'd drop Gav- Gavagon for moving his head out of the way of the ball. I just think it's it's kind of endemic of the way he has performed. He's been, don't get me wrong, he's been okay. You know, he's been in a defence that's actually done a lot better than I thought. But he's he is one of a back four that is making mistakes continuously, and he's got a 
if we had other options, I think we I think we'd probably see him come out of the side. Uh, who would you replace him with now? I mean, Delaney's got uh, probably another week or so, maybe two. Uh, Paddy's obviously not played in eighteen months. I mean, is there any other sort of combination while he's out that you'd go for? Um, well, I think McCarthy. I think Holloway was saying he's still a little way off in his rehabilitation. So at the moment, the only concern I've got right now with our defence, especially our centre back pairing. There's not really enough height. They're both uh, five foot ten, Gabadon and Mariafa, but we just don't seem to have, unless you moved Ward or um, Jednak back to centre back. But we tried that against Swansea in the second half, and that didn't work too well. Mm. So I think the priority just got to be getting Delaney back for a little bit of height and strength in in the back line. Yeah, I think maybe it's uh, maybe it shows our sort of naivety in not getting a few more in in terms of. Um in terms of uh, our transfer window business. Tony, you want to make a point to Jared and then we'll let him go and move on? Yeah, I've got to disagree because I think the defence isn't our biggest problem. I think our defence has actually been reasonably okay considering they've come up from the championship. I think our biggest problem is the fact that our midfielders can't um, get the ball to the front guys and we can't hold the ball up. If if you're going to consistently give the ball away in the um, opponent's in the opponent's half, then you're going to invite pressure and it only takes time, you know, the amount of pressure that teams are putting on us for the defence... I mean, you'd think we would have conceded more goals. I mean, look at the possession. We don't dominate possession, as we've said, and teams are getting more shots away than we are. So you're going to expect to leak a couple of goals, and I think the defence have done reasonably well. Yeah, um, I think the defence have done better than you could argue we, we might. I mean, we haven't been absolutely thumped by anyone yet in terms of score lines, but I think you'd probably expect maybe a little bit more... I mean, for the first goal, for example, Pablo Osvaldo, he had probably a little bit too much space than you'd like, really, to, to get that shot away. And Sproni was given not really too much chance with that one. OK, Jared, that's, um, listen, thank you so much for your, your call today. Uh, we've got to move on because we've got about 10 minutes till the Liverpool fan comes on. But thanks for uh, sparking you. a bit of debate, mate. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Um, okay, I like the way you pronounced Osvaldo. Uh, I don't know how he did. I didn't hear. <laughs> what, just very, it? very sort of Latino. Oh, good. I'm glad that he did that. I always approve listen of that. Osvaldo. I will. I listen on the podcast. I always do. I like to listen to myself. Um, I'm trying to pick up on a few tweets. We've got plenty in, and thank you so much for that. And if you do want to contact us today, don't forget you can tweet us at HOL Radio um, or email us on radio at homesdale.net, as a few people have done. Um, I just want to pick up really quickly on... Um, uh, some a question that Lee Taylor's actually put to us, and what we're talking about now is kind of relevant. Um, he says a subject subject that may well will divide opinion is the Premier League a step too fast for, for Spironi? Uh, a couple of quick things on that, guys, and then we'll move on. Um, Albert, what's your view on that? No, in a word, I think he does more good than he does bad, and he's a goalkeeper, so he will make mistakes. <laughs> Fair dues, uh, and uh, Stu, I get your opinion as well. Agree completely. Um, certainly deserves his chance in the Premiership. Um, I, I think as a goalkeeper, obviously your weaknesses are highlighted, highlighted week in, week out. And yeah. it's 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 to do with the 10 in front of you, really, I think, sometimes. Um, yes, every goalkeeper makes the odd mistake, but the amount of times he's saved us. And, and, and he's done it um, already this season as well with a couple of great yeah. saves and kept the scores down. So I, I think it's very harsh to ever... <laughs> ever be harsh on, on Spironi. Um, is, yeah, I always feel guilty whenever I start saying any, even criticising him vaguely, I really do. But um, I, I, I think it's, it's an interesting point because look, at some stage in his 
career at some stage you know, in the future you know there will be a time where we need to replace Julian and it may not be when he decides to hang his gloves up it might be before that um, at some and the other thing is he's been consistent for such a long period of time that that at some stage he will lose form and he will he will do things wrong on a regular basis and you have to look at that and you have you know, he's just, just, just any other player. Uh, Stuart, last little bit. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was slightly disappointed that we didn't, we didn't go in for a for a young up and coming keeper um, this summer. Just, just to sit on the bench and and watch Baroni and and sort of come in if 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 needed and um, you know look look at him and say, well, he's he's obviously gonna his form's gonna start to dip in the next two or three years, I would say, and that's when we can rely on that young keeper to come in and, and take the number one spot and, and hold it for a few years. Um and the fact that we went in for you know, Neil Alexander, um I don't know a lot about him, but he's clearly quite old and he's not gonna be someone that's gonna replace Baroni. Um no. so I, I certainly yeah, think but he was should... desperate to come here though. <laughs> we should yeah, was, I yeah. think we should certainly be shopping around at the moment for a young keeper, and that's not to to annoy Sproni or or you know or belittle what he does for us. I think it's just a case of well, you're you're getting on a bit. We need to look at you know avenues um, for a two or three years time and um, okay, to guys, see, see see what's around. Want to cram in um, quite a lot in the next the sort of five minutes we've got till we give give Anthony a ring. Um, very very quickly, we've got some forward reviews. Um, that sort of sum up the general feeling from the supporters. Uh, Ian Groom says a lack of battling quality. Um, Jack Evans says lack of goal was worrying. Joe Mizure says we're having a laugh. James Garrett says could do better. <laughs> Crystal Palace gives us Crystal Palace dodgeball team scared of the ball. Uh, Richard Foster says um, no width, no hope. Kevin Child says I hate the Premier. There's a few more as well that are on Twitter, which I'm, you've noticed by the tone in my voice, what I was trying to do was fill the time between me finding the things on my thing. It's just one I wanted to pick out, actually. There's plenty in there. But um, Eagle 66 says four words. Never, ever give up. Which is a very, very salient point. Um, some other sort of views coming in from uh, uh, from Twitter on Spironi. And, uh, well, from, one from Ricky saying that he's been a rock. Everyone has bad days at the office. Can't believe it's even being discussed. Well, that's... Um, I think you obviously you gave us our, we gave our opinion on it. We're all big fans of Spironi but I just think it's an interesting point that at some stage you know, there will be a moment where we have to replace Jules and I think he's 34 you know he's still a good good age for a keeper still got got a few years left and he's just been fantastic for us and the saves he makes that week in week out are, are, are fantastic but you know we're a Premier League club and um, you have to you have to be on the lookout for things like this and we have to talk about what we want to talk about that's just that's what we're here for um King B says uh, that it's not right that the team is full of strangers and there's no teamwork without Velassi, Zaha, Williams and Murray. Uh, certainly the Zaha and Murray factor there. I've, I talked last week and, and in pre-show about how I felt that if last season we didn't have those two, we'd struggle to have stayed in the championship. So that's how far I think we've got to come in a short space of time. Um, Vanessa says, loves Baroni, Mr. 100%. Yes, he makes mistakes, but he saved us so many times. Uh, Chris Brock was talking about the situation with the wall and he said the wall sums up the lack of respect for the uh, Reds and Blues is disappointing that us fans have more passion than the players. And um, obviously, gave my views on that. I think it's, I think it's easy to, to question passion. I think um, sometimes I think that we forget that the players are human beings and they can be disappointed with um, with how things are going on the pitch. Uh, for a couple of emails in, I won't be able to get to them all. I'm really sorry about that, uh, but I'll try and just cover what we've got here. Uh, 
Colin Fernley says have to agree our main problem is a midfield linkage to the linkage to the forwards. Basically, we look as though we've never played together before, which is of course true. Time will cure it. And uh, John asks, how long is it going to take? So I'll get an opinion on how long it might take from uh, from you guys. We'll probably come back to our um, the sort of discussion points after we've talked to Anthony actually. But um, we've got what, three minutes until we do that. So um, Albert, how long do we give them to gel? Not to gel, Holly. Oh Christ, wouldn't do that. Um... It, oh, I mean, we've been so unlucky with injuries, so that you know the team's chopping and changing every week. I don't think we've. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Started the same 11, have we? Um, if, if bearing no more injuries, another you know, three or four games at least. And, um, Which you, almost is soon enough. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it, get, it gets hard to, actually, um, hard to actually cope with that, though. Um, like the supporters, obviously generally speaking well us as well we went and saw that game and I, I mean I left that game incredibly disappointed and you know fairly despondent about our chances obviously the, as time passes you look you get a bit more philosophical about it a bit more realistic and we already expected things to be difficult and we've got a long way to go I think uh, right a couple more points that we need to talk about um, uh, well, don't think we've got time for that. Bear me one second. Let's go back. Just one last. We were, we were talking about plastic fans. There's been a debate about the t- the use of that terminology, and I upset a few people with my drunken rants about plastics on my Twitter account. So uh, well done for those of you who unfollowed me for that. But um, Albert, you wanted to go back to that. Do you want to make a, a quick point before we um, before we talk to our Liverpool fan? Yeah, I just found yes. I mean, I went on my own yesterday. I'm not going to lie. A bit of a Billy No Mates. Um, but I just found that. The, the, the fans that are around me, you know, I'm not a regular away fan, so I, I couldn't tell you if they were regulars also. They just seem to be much more into, you know, goading the Saints fans to the left or right rather than, um, you know, actually getting behind the team and watching the game. Um, I, go, you know, I don't know if that's a regular thing, but uh, well, I've regularly found myself with a, a, a fan's arm outstretched across my, across my face. Um, and he had rather bad body odour as well, so it was thoroughly unpleasant <laughs> all round. <laughs> yeah, that's never nice. Um, I don't know, you see, I mean, I've got various different sort of views. I don't mind, people are entitled to do what they want to do when they go and watch football. They pay for their ticket, blah, 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 blah. I, the reason I got a little bit annoyed yesterday was uh, sort of huge swathes of people in areas that I would expect to hear, you know, standing, singing, all that sort of stuff, and huge swathes of people who... I think probably, probably the only time that they opened their mouths and made a noise was to either discuss something inane or to, to complain about something. And For me, it's not so much that you can't do that. It's more that I've never thought that that's what an away game is about. The, it, the last few years, it's been it's the camaraderie. You go away and 
you in a stadium, and was a, there's a lot less of you than the home fans unless you go to Millwall. And then basically you've just you're all together, you're all supporting the team, you're and and that's that's the whole point of going. It it's almost as if the game's kind of secondary to that. And it was really disappointing sometimes to see people do that. I mean, Tom's called it gallows humour, and it is a bit like that. And I mean, that's a bit negative because sometimes we do win. But um, I just say that I just don't think that there was a, that some of the fans that were there yesterday. I can't imagine them um, singing during the sort of administration days of where we're you know getting thumped and we don't know if we're going to see our club again. I think until you you know when you've stood stood at Sellers, look round and think you might be looking at it for the last time. You can't sort of summon up that memory and think, well, hang on a second, I better appreciate this because uh, it could all be gone at some point. I don't think that's that's just my feeling on it, and I know it's only my view, and I know there are plenty of people, and I don't want to slag off new fans because we need new fans. And you know, over time, I'm sure that a lot of them will get into the spirit of things. It's just ones ones that don't smell would be nice. Ones that don't smell. If you could have, a, if you're going to go to games, make sure you have a shower in case you're next to Albert. Um, Tony, just very quickly, mate, because we've got a ring. Um, yeah. I think the distance might have a big thing as well. I mean, you know, outside of London, you know, Southampton's reasonably near, easy to get to. You know, people in Sussex and Surrey, you know, it's easy for them to get to as well. Um, I, I don't think you'll get as many of the um, vertical plastic fans if, if you're having to go to places, Newcastle, Sunderland, uh, potentially even the Manchester clubs. I mean, to be fair, they've got enough plastic fans in United as it is, so they, they'll know all about it. Um, so I think the distance, I mean, outside of London, Southampton's probably one of our closer rivals. So I think that that might be why there were quite a few. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and you're, you're right, it, it was a, a local-ish game. But I, look, at the end of the day, I think, I think it, my, my issue, I suppose, is with people who are, who are there for a Premier League football day out. And, and they tend to be the sort of people who, with 10 minutes to go when we're losing, we'll just go, we'll just go home. And they'll say, oh, well, I'm entitled to go home because, you know, I want to beat the traffic. It's like that, that attitude is, to me, it's alien. It's not, what, it's not what you're there for. But people are entitled to do what they want to do. That's, that's all I say. But it just frustrates me that, that we have that, that element now. And I don't think that's what we're all about as a club. But not for me to dictate. Anyway, I said at the end of the day, sorry. Um, OK, we've got, um, got to preview the Liverpool game very quickly with, uh, with Anthony, who is... I've got to try not to get him confused with, with Tony. We'll call him Anthony. Um, but uh, he's going to help us have a little chat about uh, about what to expect when we travel to Anfield. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? You all right? Not too bad, you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, it's the first time I've talked to you like a real person. It's amazing. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get straight on it. We're, we're obviously, we've got you on to have a little chat about... Um, well, we'll have a little chat about Liverpool's season so far and, and how you think things are going, but also obviously, to have a look at the game, really. And, yeah, um, cool. I mean, first of all, how is it going this season? Seems a lot better. It's going fantastic at the moment, to be honest. I don't even know how we're in second. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we've not yeah. even played well yet. Not, um, t- Tony in chat there is just celebrating your Scouse accent. We were wondering if you would have a Scouse accent. We're very happy about that. No, um, uh, half my family's from Liverpool. I'm actually in Bolton. Are you? Oh my God, you're in Bolton. Oh, I know, that's... yeah, terrible. But no, half my <laughs> half my family's from Anfield, but I'm off, I'm obviously from Bolton. Ah, oh, fantastic, mate. Anyway, look, um, I mean, how well? Certainly, I think the, the sort of key things from this season really have been obviously the reintegration of Suarez happened. Um, has that gone as you expected? It's gone seamlessly. Yeah. 
just, he just fitted straight back in as, as ever. I mean, obviously everyone apart from Liverpool fans hate him, but <laughs> he's a fantastic player. Absolutely a fantastic yeah. player. Yeah, I mean, obviously Sturridge is the one who's sort of taken centre stage with him out. And, um, I mean, him, he's just, just come on leaps and bounds, really. Uh, did you ever sort of see that part coming? No. No. no? I, 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 honestly, I honestly thought he was going to come and I thought he'd be a, more of a bit, bit part player. Mm. I didn't honestly think he'd come in and hit the ground running like he has. He's been absolutely exceptional. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I mean, I'm 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 actually a season ticket holder. I sit in the cop, so and yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, another one for me as well is Carlo Torre. Yeah, he's been immense for a free transfer. He's been absolutely immense. And I'll I take... was gone. No, I was going to say I'll take... I'm so shocked about Torre because we uh, obviously he'd been out for a while and. Um... Uh, we saw him. He came and played a development game, Celest, uh, um, for um, you know, for, for Man City, and yeah. he, he was the size of a house. He was. At, yeah. I, we, we looked at him, and we all we all looked at each other and said, "Oh, we'll never play again. It'll, it'll never yeah. ever ever get back to Premier League standard." And he's been colossal for you. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to admit it. I, I actually, when I heard that he was signing, I was actually ranting on Twitter, saying, "What, <laughs> what are we doing?" Well, um, you know, but he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely stunned by it, mate. Stunned myself, I really am. But um, I suppose the other thing I was going to ask you, really, is um, about Brendan Rodgers. Uh, um, as a manager, obviously, he's, he's sort of he's had some interesting sort of uh, jobs. I mean, he did a really good job at Swansea, but he but sort of had a real real hard time at Reading. Um, Reading, yeah. And um, obviously, he's got pedigree. He's, you know, Chelsea coach, and then he went on to, to manage Watford and did a, did a good job there. But um, when he when he joined, when he came in, I mean, did you think that was the right appointment at the time? Right, I, it, it was a strange one. I was in two minds. I actually, and hand on heart, I actually was looking at Loudrup. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people were calling me, you know, I, I got quite a bit of abuse for saying about Loudrup at one point. Mm. But I thought he would have been the one. But, but when um, when Rogers came in, I was I was reasonably happy. I mean, he plays the right type of football, even though it slightly seems to have changed at the moment. We seem to be playing more on the counter attack at the moment rather than the, you know, the whole um, the whole the, the possession dominating games and in his, his statistic of if you seventy percent possession that you're like more likely to win a game. And but we, we seem to be playing on the counter attack, and he seems to have changed ever so slightly. And the whole centre-back uh, situation as well, going three at the back. Slightly different for Brendan, but it's working. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that's, I suppose that's what's got us worried. Um, yeah, and we're not <laughs> play, we've not played well yet either. No? No. Right. We've, we've had, you know, first halves here and there, but second half, it was the first goal we've actually scored in the second half all season today. All oh, right, OK. <laughs> um, well, let, let, that's quite a stunning statistic. I mean, interest. Have you have you seen much of Palace then? Well, I mean, have you seen you, what what you thought of us so far? Uh, I've seen bits and bats. You don't look too good. You don't look too good at the back. No. <laughs> I, I fear um, for you with Suarez, and uh, it's a good job we've not got Coutinho playing as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think probably to to stay in the division, we we've got to improve massively there. But um. I don't know from from your perspective. I mean, we, we've been arguing pretty much for weeks now on this show about is are our problems the fact that we're actually just putting too much pressure on the defence, or or is it the fact that our we're not, our defence is not good enough? Um, I mean, what's your view on that? Just in a general football sense, for if you sort of think about a team coming into the Premiership, 
know, is it a case of adding quality at the back, or is it just a case of organisation? I think a lot of it's to do with organisation, to be honest. Mm. But I also think, coming to Anfield, if you crowd the midfield, you'll have more of a chance than working on your defence. Okay, well, that's uh, we'll pass that on to Holloway, and hopefully we'll get that get that sorted. Um, the, the, re- the reason being is that one Lucas is out as well, so we've known Lucas. He's picked up his fifth booking today, so he's out for uh, for the game against Schumann. Fantastic. <laughs> so good news. that's that's the only sort of what you call the holding midfielder. Yeah. I mean, it's a fallacy. This about Lucas and this defensive midfield. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's more. He's more of an anchorman, more of a holding midfield, but no, he's out. And we've only been sort of playing Gerard with Lucas there, and we can get overrun slightly. We got overrun again today against uh, Sunderland. Sunderland played really well, actually. Mm. I yeah, you regret I'm... losing John Joe Selby now. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? I'm more concerned about Suso going on loan to Almeria. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I saw I saw him. I think for your development squad, he looks one hell of a player. He's really, a good, really, really good player. Mm. But um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, anyone anyone out to help us is a good idea. I think the, the lads got a couple of questions for you, and we'll get into the we'll get into what you think about the games. Uh, Stuart, you were first. Yeah, I was just um, thinking of um, Gerard. Is uh, he, he's playing more defensive minded at the moment, isn't he? Though he is, yeah. He would he would cover Lucas being out injured, uh, suspended yeah, rather. Yeah. The problem with that is we, we then lack his, his drive going forward. That's is he still, the, is he still um, sort of that vital in, in, in getting you know in driving forward even he, even now? Not as much as driving forward, but he plays that sort of you know like bet, between the holding midfielder and the attacking number ten. So he'll be oh, between that. So he's still doing it. I mean, he's the um, the pass for the uh, the first goal of uh, Suarez today. The seventy-yard raking ball towards Sturridge was unbelievable. So you know, it's it, it's that that you're going to be missing out because then he's that much deeper. Yeah. So is he playing the he's playing the Ian Mulby role? Is it without the weight? As such, yeah. <laughs> I would I, I would tend to think that maybe Henderson might drop into that uh, Lucas role. Oh, okay. Um. So what you, has Henderson actually improved now? He's, he's improving when he plays central, but he was playing on, on the right today. So he was playing the the wing back role. We're missing Johnson big time. Yeah, we really are missing Johnson. What's happened to Joe Allen? He's injured. Oh, okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah. he's just going back to training. He might have he might have been training three or four or five days or so. But okay. Um, so you've given us a little bit of team news there about what we can expect. Obviously, with Lucas being out and how things might shape up. Um, Anything at all that concerns you from the Palace side? <laughs> Be honest, we can take it. Smelly fans. Dull. <laughs> Pro- probably our quiet stand, uh, our quiet stadium at the moment, and your uh, away support. That's about oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, actually. Yeah, funny enough, we've just been talking about support, and um, yeah, and well, certainly, I think pretty much every game that the uh, the opposition fans have been pretty impressed with us, and it, it, it's really nice to. It's, it's something to be proud of, no matter what happens um, yeah, out on the pitch. But I think a lot of people have also said, see if they're still doing it halfway through the season when they've still only got three points. But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, but see why not? Why not enjoy it? Yeah, well, that's, that's it. It's it. to be enjoyed, isn't it? So, <laughs> that's all we've got. There. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, funnily, from our, from our perspective, we actually played pretty pretty much all right up until the last two games where we've been taken apart by a very good Swansea side and a, and a Southampton side that 
for me, are slightly overachieving, but um, a very, very decent tactically. They're very, very tight, squeeze the space, and we just well, hadn't. mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we got beat by Southampton at home anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, we got taken apart in the second half against Swansea. Yeah. So again, I suppose, I suppose when you put it like that, it doesn't feel quite so bad. It's a six-pointer. It's a six-pointer now. <laughs> oh, they're fantastic. All right. Um. So go on then. The last little bit for you, mate. Um. What's your prediction of the game, score-wise, and, and how you see it going? Oh, I don't always like to predict, but I'm going to have to go for a two-nil win, home win. I think that's a fair, fair guess. I think we, I mean, we're really struggling to to make any kind of meaningful chance at the moment. So, I think the I mean, nil. Fair. If you can keep Suarez and Sturridge quiet, you've got half a chance. If they run them off, you've had it. Okay. Um, I think I think that's a fair. We're fat then, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> that's all uh, we've got to do. Basically. <laughs> what, what's what's your thoughts on Victor Moses? He's decent, but he played he played in the number ten role today. He, he didn't work. No. He's, he's not he's, he's not central for me. Well, not number ten anyway. If he's going to play central, you pay you've got to play him up front. Oh, he's, he's looked he's, decent when he's been wide. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he basically for us, he, he he did play out wide more often than not. He's quite good on that sort of on, on the left coming inside. Yeah, coming inside is a beast. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, obviously a lot of talk recently was from Zaha from us and how great he is. And our youth, our youth guys still say that Moses was so much better coming through. And um, I mean, we never saw the best of it. We basically it started to click. Moses went as soon as he left because of the administration. We had to sell him to Wigan. And yeah. That that lad, if he gets confident and gets belief, he is just such a good player. He's, people will be so shocked at what he can do. Mm. Um, it's it's just mentally he just needs, he just really needs nurturing. He really needs to feel like you know the manager's a father figure, and he needs to feel that everyone believes in him, and and he will absolutely thrive. If given the opportunity, so. he has the potential to be unplayable, in my opinion, Moses. Well, we, yeah, we've we've seen that in in, in glimpses so far. Mm. We've, we've seen that. We have seen that in glimpses. He's he, he's liked as well by the fans already. Oh, that's good to hear because I mean, obviously, he's one of our own, and we we just love oh to yeah, no, he, he, yeah. But um, a lot of love yeah. to sign him already. Yeah, he, yeah he's I'll... bound he's bound to score on Saturday. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> Aspas yeah. isn't, by the way. Aspas isn't bound to score if he plays. Oh, okay, brilliant. <laughs> Aspas, oh dear. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Last little bit on Moses. I'll just say that the only thing for um, for me is he would be probably twice the player he is now if he'd just been able to stay another year playing regularly. I think you know, he did all right at Wigan, but it was a big move for him at the time. You know, he's don't know how much you know about his past, but he had a really difficult upbringing and things. Yeah, like we did. Yeah, yeah. He lost, he lost his parents, didn't he? And he had, yeah. So, no, again, I could talk about Moses all day, but I'll have to stop now. Um, yeah, it, no, he seems quality. I'm happy with Moses. Very that's, happy with Moses. Well, anyway, mate, obviously, I'm not going to wish you luck for, for Saturday. Of course, no. Don't, don't think you need it anyway, but for the rest of the season, it's, um, it's glad, to, glad to see you playing some great football. And obviously, with Victor there, we'll all be following it, following you guys with a lot of interest. So, thank yeah, you brilliant. so much for talking to us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a good season yourself, apart yeah. from Saturday. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'll probably talk, probably talk to you for the head of the next game as well. So, cheers, mate. Really, no, no problem. Thanks a lot. Take cheers, care. Cheers, mate. Bye. Okay, great stuff. Can't thank him enough for that. That was um, incredibly uh, insightful, I think. Um, Anthony? Uh, there's an interesting fact that I always quote to fans of Liverpool um, that I think, if I'm right, that the last five times that Liverpool have come to Sellhurst, they haven't won. So that bodes well later on in the year when we play them. 
Yeah, it does. Numbers already down. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Look, I mean, we were something as a something of a bogey team for them in recent times. We really have been. Um, I I I always enjoy our games with Liverpool. I think I really do. Um, obviously it's look, it's nine o'clock and we usually end the show, but we had so we had so much contact in from you that we decided to extend things a little bit. I hope that's all right with you lot listening. I really do. Um, okay, uh, we want to go back to what we were, what we were talking about before, and hopefully everyone still remembers. Um, we just we just got to talking. We were talking about the fans, and we're trying desperately to sort of explain what we meant by sort of plastic supporters. And you know, I want to make the point again that we were. I don't think any single one of us would ever say we don't need these new fans and all that sort of stuff, and wouldn't be understanding of, of people who don't quite get it, if you like. But you know, I just think I just think that to sort of sign that point off, I just think that. People need to understand a little bit more about what what we are. You know, we're a, we're a club who, through through what I consider to be some good management, some astute signings, and um, and a bit of luck and an awful lot of team spirit and hard work, we managed to get promotion last year when we were considered one of the favourites for relegation, and we did really really well. But we did that with Glenn Murray having the season of his life and Wilf Zaha absolutely tearing up the division for a large percentage of that of that season. Uh, we've got to cope with their loss, and we've got to cope with a lot of new players. So I just think I just want people to be patient, and I think the temptation for fans who have only just joined, you know, the away support, have only just started going to home games. The temptation for them will be to get despondent and to start turning on the team, and that can affect the overall atmosphere. And that's what I don't want to see. And and it's hard it's hard to see people I know who go week in week out that can't afford to sort of buy tickets in advance, no longer be able to go to games. And that's where my frustration came from. It comes from seeing, from knowing that these people would be there from the start to the end, would be singing their hearts out, would just be 100% behind the team and not concerned, concerning themselves for the negativity. And those people missing out is what upset me at the weekend. And I think throughout this season, it's something that we're going to have to get used to. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, one of the other things that people wanted to talk about was the recent form of Jedinak. We mentioned him a little bit bit earlier. Um, Alex made a fantastic point last week. Hopefully you, you listened to that. And it was the way that our, the opposition had decided to bypass him because of how well he stops play. And they just formed like a little little triangles around him and just passed around him because he's, he's not the most mobile of players. And I think that people were cutting him out and, and he's, his form suffered against Swansea for that. And I'm not sure if uh, Southampton, Southampton obviously would have watched that, and I'm not sure if we saw similar. But I mean, are we talking about a possibility? Um, I'll ask you, Albert, a possibility of maybe I don't know if you could, you'd, you'd, you certainly wouldn't drop him. I don't think he's the captain and the talisman, and when he plays well, we play well. But is there anything we can do? Um, I certainly wouldn't drop him. Um, no, you know, again, form is temporary class is permanent and he's definitely got class um the worry the worrying thing is you know his his interceptions and blocks you know mean nothing if he can't play a simple ball to somebody 10 yards away um and if you play him a bit higher up uh you know he, he used to sit right in front of the the back four he's a little bit further up sort of recently and if he's if he hit under hits a pass that go, that's going behind him then there's every risk of somebody getting on the end of it and then it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Uh, uh, defense is instantly under pressure, um, but he's not—he's not technically adept on the ball to play further up the pitch. So it is a fine balance. Um, I think just got to stick with it and hope he comes good again. Uh, yeah. 
he's, what he does do well, he does fantastically. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't change it too much. St- stick with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like we've got a huge number amount of options either. I don't think to sort of play that role. I mean, O'Keefe O'Keefe does a, a really good job in the midfield of, of tackling, but he's not really a Jedinak. Um, I'm not sure what he is. I think he's quite a unique player, O'Keefe, and, and someone I think. My gut feeling is I think he, he might start playing a part in the latter part of this season because I think we're going to start to start to have a look at have, have to have a look at a different way of playing. Um, Stuart, with regards to Keith, I think he um, he needs to run in the team. Um, there's so much every time you see him, there's so much there that you can be positive about with regards to him. And if he gets a run in the team, I think he's going to be very hard to to drop him. I think he's he's that good a player. Uh, as regards to replacing, I would I would I, I can't believe we're sort of having this discussion about Jagunak because. For the last two years, he's probably been our most consistent performer, yeah. and we're discussing dropping him after, you know, a, a dip in form over the last maybe two or three games. Don't forget, he was he was man of the match against Tottenham, the opening game of the season. Um, um, Sky actually wanted to give him the man of the match, but because we were the losing team, they couldn't, so uh, they gave it to one of the Spurs players. But it's. I just see it's a dip of form. He's 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 made a, a couple of misplaced passes, but for me, he he's colossal in the in the middle of that park. And without him, I think our defeats might have been a little bit heavier than they have been. Um, but as regards to for Akeith, um, I, I I would I would think about maybe bringing him in for Dickajoy. It's an interesting point. I mean, KG though, we I thought we really missed him against Swansea, and everyone was talking about. Um... Know, how that it'd, it'd be great to have him back, and obviously we had a we had a poor result. I mean, Tony, you've just made a point on this. I think. What about KG? Yeah, or maybe that was. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I think I think KG played very well. First half, he was absolutely immense. He was he was everywhere. He was making tackles. He was running up the other end of the pitch. He was he even did a couple of bits of skill as well, which you know me and my friend were laughing at. And I, I think I think the key thing with with the midfield is that KG and Jedinak both have an understanding, and with so much inconsistency up front at the moment, which is being swapped here, there, and everywhere, we need to keep a consistent team. Because last year we played well when we had a consistent team playing week in week out. When we started changing changing it up is when we started going on our bad run, and at the moment we're changing the team far too often that you know. We, I know through injuries, but it's, yeah. it's having an effect. And the, we've got so many new players, they're never going to gel if we keep changing the team round. Sim- well, similarly, they, similarly, they've got to play, though, haven't they? Um, that's, that's the other thing to consider. Um, I don't want to sort of drag this on too long. I want to make sure we cover everything. Um, just a couple of, few, couple of bits on the um, Spironi debate we are having earlier, which we'll probably come back to another time. But um, uh, basically, a lot of people are saying that. Uh, well, Bob White said, "How many goals conceded this season have been down to Spironi? One possibly conceding goals is a collective responsibility," which is uh, an interesting point and, and one I think is probably fair. Uh, David Bailey says that all keepers make mistakes. Just look at Joe Hart at the weekend, which is a fair point. They, and I think one you made, Stuart, when he's, you know, obviously he said the highlights, uh, keepers' mistakes are highlighted, and um, that is very true. I mean, a lot of people make a mistake on the, in the you know, in the midfield or whatever. Nothing ever comes of it. But, um, but there you go. Um, I mean, I, 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 I would just like to throw the question out there um, with regards to, you know, Keith Dickajoy, Jedinak, that sort of thing. I, I think midfield in particular, I mean, do any of you guys actually know what our best team is at the moment and our best formation? I don't. Um, and, it's I, an in- I, and I'm not sure Holloway does either at the moment, and that's the problem. I, but I, I, that, that way of thinking for me is almost, I wouldn't say it's no, it's no longer relevant. Um, 
But I don't. I certainly think it's not the way Holloway thinks. I don't think anymore that you think about what's your best eleven. I think you you think about what's your best eleven for each game, and I think it can be different. I think in some. I think sometimes, you know, this may be right to play Barry Bannon, and sometimes it might be better to add an extra player tackling and, and maybe sacrifice a little bit about of someone who sort of runs around in, in the gaps and stick O'Keefe there instead. Possibly. Or, I mean. So, but there are there are players in our squad who you who we would all say have to start regardless of who we're playing, isn't? Aren't there? You got your Speronis, you got I would say your Shamak and probably Ward, the three players I would say yeah. are definite starters. That's that's another eight players that oh, you know you're not yeah. sure are the best for our for our first eleven. For for me, you've got to add Delaney to that. I think with with the squad that we've got, I think Delaney when fit needs to be there every game because. I honestly believe he's been he's stepped up at another level. I think he's for me he's the one who looks Premier League quality as a centre back, and people may disagree with that, and they're obviously free to do I think, so. I think Delaney and Mariapa has got potential. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because Mariapa obviously had a bit up. of pace. Oh yeah, that's see, we we talked Moxie. Moxie yeah, and, definitely yeah, been been excellent this season. He really has. And um, I think without Moxie and Ward, our goal difference would have been uh, considerably worse. They both been fantastic. This is what point. it comes down to, though. I said, I said that the defence isn't the problem. I'm looking at the table, and we've conceded 10 goals, and two of those were penalties. And if you take away those two penalties, we've only conceded one more goal than Arsenal. But their problem is we're not scoring. We've only scored four right. goals. Can I, can I, uh, I'll take that as a point, but um, and, and you're right. You're right. It's true. And I also think it's an interesting point to make when people are criticising Holloway for not considering the defence when making transfers he's actually he's actually we're not actually conceding that many and the ones we have conceded unfortunately have been essentially more often than not individual mistakes but sort of uh take you on the other side of that if we if we went more attacking if i think a lot of the reason we haven't conceded so much is because of the way is because of what we've sacrificed an attack and i think if we're going to go and go out there and create more i think unfortunately there is a there's a no, there's there's a balance to be had and i, th- I think we're too far on one side at the moment if, if i'm completely honest but all I'd, all I'd point out is if you look at that opening day game against Tottenham, right? You look at that, the way that was. We were in that game uh, until they got a penalty. And we looked we looked decent. We looked like we were secure at the back. We looked like we could create something on the break, that sort of a stuff. The second we went 1-0 down and chased that game, Tottenham had sort of eight, nine opportunities to score. Um, and we looked, we looked fragile. <laughs> we looked like... You know, we look, really looked like we were riding our luck not to concede, and in, in a way we were. So that that's kind of where I am at the moment. I think we've got to slightly change that balance from where we are at the moment, which is looking to stop the opposition, which is looking to make sure we don't concede early goals. Didn't really work against Swansea. But to make sure we keep it tight and we keep in the game for as long as we can. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, the, the little ch- that, that we do create, it's just critical that we take those chances. Man United case in point, we had we had the game sort of, they had all the possession, but Dwight Gale did brilliantly to take the ball down from for his one chance, and unfortunately just slid the ball wide, and that's the sort of thing, that's where we're punished. You take that chance, it's a different game. Um, similarly, if Chimak takes that shot on against Southampton that early on, and that ball goes in the net, it's a different game again. So I, I think in a way, the way we're playing perhaps isn't as bad as, as we make it out to be, we're just, we're just not making the best of what we're creating. Um, but we certainly got to do more. we certainly got to give opposition much more to think about. Uh, go on, Stuart. 
Um, I, I'm, it's just me thinking, really. You know, I, I just wanted to throw it out there. But does anyone think that we, we've got a problem, a problem fitness-wise? Um, if if we, we've done ourselves out of five points in the second half uh, so far this season, we'd have eight points um, if, if, if the games were technically stopped at half time but which obviously they're not but it's our second half performances if you analyze that that maybe are letting us letting us down and is that maybe down to fitness do you think no um yeah no. go on I, I, yeah I, I again i think it's something that we can you can kind of lean back on as almost the first sort of portal call you know because it's the second half are we you know are we suffering from fitness i just don't i don't think so i don't think this point in the season, I think in terms of injuries we're suffering, uh, have suffered. Uh, I suppose, you know, the other side is, but I think it's just got more to do with, um, it's got more to do with concentration levels and belief. I, I think it's a lot easier to to ask the, the, I mean, this actually goes into my tactical discussion that I wanted to get into. And when you're playing out, you know, playing out to not concede and you're trying to break, um, but you're not really giving the opposition too much to think about. The other thing you do is you isolate the attack. And when the attack's isolated early doors, it's not too much of a problem. But the later the game goes on and the fewer touches that they've had, you know, the, the harder it is for them to get in the game when they do see the ball. So you know, you'll, you'll notice the ball go up to Chamak or it will go up to Gale or it will go up to, to whether it's Punchin or, or Kebe or whatever. And because they haven't seen so much of the ball and they've not been involved, they're, they're just not firing. They're not on it. They're not switched on enough. And mm. it's not really, so the ball almost comes straight back. It's almost like clearing up to no one at times. And, you know, I just think, um, I think basically that, that that's where we're struggling. I think we need to get the attack more involved earlier on. Um, listen, we've got to move this on because obviously it's now coming up to quarter past. I think people are probably getting quite bored at home. Um, quick question on injuries. Are we missing the likes of uh, Balassi and Parr? Uh, I've had yes. a couple of questions in on that. Um, Balassi's an interesting one. I'll just get an opinion, Tony, since you ch- ch- uh, chimed in first. Uh, where do you see him fitting in, in in place of who? Well, I think one of the key things to last year, you mentioned tactics, was um, the fact that we got our wingers down to the byline and crossed the ball in. And the the only time I've seen us do it this season is that, that time yesterday when Moxie got to the byline, crossed the ball, and Jerome skied it. And I yeah. think with a player like Balassi, if you have Balassi and Kebe on the wings, getting to the byline, crossing it in, then you'll start to see players like Shamak putting the ball in the net. Murray in his first season was not that good or effective because we were just lumping the ball to him, exactly what we're doing this season. Last season he was good because we got the wingers to the byline, gave him the service, and he scored 30 goals. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in getting crosses into the box. I really am, and I think you make a really good point there that once Moxie did get one in, I don't want to think too much about Jerome's attempt at a finish. But um, you know, it was the one. It was the one thing we created that was a proper chance, and um, other than Chamak's early opportunity. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. But if we're not playing in that style, then then we got to do something else. If you know what I mean, we're not really. We're kind of between. We're between getting someone wide and getting the ball in. I mean, sometimes you look at it and you see a player running in the channel. It might say Chamak or Kebe or Gale quite a lot gets in the channel. You look in the box and there's there's no one in there. And, um, you know, it's all very well getting crosses in. But if you're getting crosses into no one, then then, then it's kind of counterproductive, isn't it? But, um, and no one's having a pop from distance either, you know. Mm. It just it would seem to be a, there's a real lack of are we, are we lumping it long or are we trying to play it wide? It seems to be we're lumping it out wide. Um, so it's a real confused style f- from where I'm sitting 
yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And again, that could be could be people getting used to the system and, and being asked to play a different way. Uh, James DL emailed us last week and we wanted to carry it over for a discussion this week. And once again, we're probably going to have to carry it over properly to next week. But uh, he was asking us to talk about Gale and whether we're utilising him correctly. It's, it's been a bit of a theme so far already. And uh, he, he's talked about hoping that we have a choice of wide players um, back fit. We should we should try playing with natural wingers each side and, and Gale or Tremac up front um, but you know, on, the, on their own. But... Um, Gale, for me, it's not really a question of whether we're using him properly. It's a question of giving him time to learn the role that he's being given. Um, yeah, he, as a central striker, that's how he's played. And obviously, he'd, he'd feel a lot more comfortable like that. But I genuinely believe that he can get similar chances in the position that he's playing. He's just got to get used to playing it. Um, I, I get frustrated when he's asked to chase back too much, too far and too wide. Because certainly when you see Southampton play a high line like they did, you, you want him to use his pace to get in behind. And he didn't really have any opportunities to do that. But um, but like I say I think he will do when uh, uh, when he learns that position better and learns his responsibilities better. And not only that, the people around him give him give him better support. And that's the thing for me. The whole thing for me at the moment is about getting support up front to to, to the players and making sure that you know if they do hold the ball up, they've got an op- they've got plenty of options. Or if they do flick the ball on, there's someone running in behind. And and who better to have running in behind than, than Gale at the moment? Um, there you go. Uh, Jerry also messaged me on Facebook earlier, uh, making fantastic points about um, about the game as a whole, which was pretty much agree with everything that we say. And he's talked about the fact he doesn't feel Dwight Gale's confidence could probably get any lower at the moment. And, and says, "What do you think about you know taking him out of the side and, and giving him a bit of a uh, bit of a rest at the moment?" Um, Albert, would you get your view on that? Um, yeah, I agree with that in principle. But you know, we've got a fair few injuries with attacking players. Um, Cameron Jerome doesn't look like he's worth swapping in, you know, from the off. Bassi's not 100%. Uh, Jerome Thomas doesn't look like he's 100% either. So it's, it's, you can't just take him out for the sake of it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, Tom, I mean, Thomas did, I thought he looked, looked all right when he came on. So hopefully he's going to be one that we could possibly um, look at. And uh, Tony, you've said that when Glenn Murray's back, that he'll come in for Jerome in January. I'm not sure how Jerome will feel like about that being on a season-long loan, but... Difficult decisions to make. Um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, though. We won't talk about that today, uh, as we've got plenty to go on. Um, yeah, so uh, what last last couple of little bits, and then we'll let you go, I promise. promise. I mean, you can go whenever you like, really. But um, uh, Just a, one little thing about expectation that I, I want to get. I'll get your view on it, Stuart. Um, it, is, is it fair, right, just in general, that, that people are expecting what they're expecting? In other words... We come into a, the, the, the league say before a ball's been kicked and pretty much everyone's talking you know, about how hard a season it's going to be and how we're going to have to work really hard to get any points. And you know, A lot of people are saying, I'll just be happy if we avoid, you know, we give it a good go and we avoid uh, the lowest ever point, points tally and sort of stuff like that. Um, expectation does change throughout the season. We've seen it plenty of times. Uh, are people being realistic with their expectations now, do you think? Um I just going on the on the notice boards on 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 Homestyle. I would say not. I think it's all right. It's it's very fresh after a defeat, isn't it? And and that's when everyone gets a little bit upset, a little bit, a little bit carried away, and maybe their expectations just reach new heights, which which really shouldn't be there. Our aim this season is to finish seventeenth. At the moment. We're one. We're, we're. I think we're two points now because Norwich won today. We're two points off seventeenth position. 
that's all we can, that's that's all we need to do is just stay in touch with that 17th position to finish 17th we we're going to we're going to get beaten lots of times we're going to get outplayed lots of times and they're going to be lots and lots of downers this season but there should be a few highs and i just think if you keep the faith and you keep your expectations in a, in a realistic way we, we we are more than capable of finishing 17th i'm i'm really i'm really confident of that but if you know every time we lose it's it's hard to keep keep yourself positive and that, it's not just it's not just the fans the players as well you know they they're, they're going to need a g up every time they lose and 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 that's probably our job this season as the fans to to keep them g'd up and and if we can i i'm 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 confident we will do that okay um well yeah, i think it's an, it's interesting to make a distinction between ambition and uh, and expectation uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with people wanting us to play better and wanting us to to be in games and wanting us to go and attack teams i really don't and um but but that but when people kind of they lose sight of the fact that there's a big difference between wanting something and and what's realistic to achieve and i don't think we should hold back i don't think we should you know think for example we're going to play liverpool and we're all a bit like mm, we're probably going to lose that game i don't think we should necessarily think that we can't go and get go, go there and get something that we can't up our level and catch them on a you know on a bit of a bad day or negate their strengths and play to our strengths and, and get a result i don't think we need to be doing that but at the same no, time I mean, yeah yeah well, i mean we should certainly concentrate on our strengths and not you know not have too much respect for these teams but you know the bottom line is 11 for 11 these players you know liverpool as an example 11 for 11 those players are far superior than our players and you know it's it's so difficult not to go in there and think, oh well, we, you know, we're we're, we're going to get beat this weekend, and and you have to have that have to have that thought in your head, so you're not too downhearted once once we're turned over, because that is what's likely to happen. If it doesn't, absolutely fantastic, a real bonus. We've caught Liverpool on an off day, and we've managed to scrape a one-one draw. Brilliant. It's, a, it's an added point, but the realism is that you know we've all looked at these fixtures at the beginning of the season and we've looked at the Liverpool fixture and we've probably all said in our heads oh well we won't we won't get any points from there but there's no reason why we can't have a go at them and that, I guess that's that's the point we want to have a go at these teams and not just sit yeah. back and give them too much respect absolutely I think we've got we've got to try and remain positive and we've got to keep behind the team and I'm sure everyone will be doing that uh, I'll go in the show shortly I've just got the last little uh, tweet that's just come in from Zoe Whittle says, can you talk about how you miss Wilbraham in the squad? If he was there, he'd have scored about nine goals by now. Uh, just to put that in some sort of context, Zoe is obsessed with Aaron Wilbraham. And um, in fact, when we saw him in a car park in Blackpool, she told him that he, she loved him. So I don't think that's a serious discussion to be had. But um, I don't know. Do we miss Wilbraham? Anyone? The silence tells you the story. Um, <laughs> that, was a no. that, was, that was a no. That was a definite no. Sorry, Zoe. Um, Anyway, that is the end of the show tonight. The debates will rage on, of course, throughout the course of this week. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday at 8pm to review that Liverpool game. Thanks to all of you that have listened in live. Uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast. And a special thanks to everyone who has contributed to the show in any way. Uh, you can always get in touch when we're off air with an email to radio at homesdale.net. And if it's good enough, we'll use it next week. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by completesigns.co.uk. 
Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from flat metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials, including brass, aluminium, stainless steel, wood and a number of plastics. Covering most of South England with virtual offices in Croydon, Epsom, Hawley, Worcester Park in Surrey, Crowthorne in Berkshire, Regent Street, West London, Docklands, East London and Crawley and Brighton in Sussex. So if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs, then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.